That was awesome, guys. Bethany, thank you. Aaron, thank you for all your work helping our kids sing and lead us in worship. You know, Psalm 98.4 says, make a joyful noise to the Lord. And then David Crowder, one of my favorite musicians, says, uh, notice in the King James that the next line says, make a loud noise, right? And uh, every week at Apex, we make a loud noise. But uh, this morning was loud and joyous in its own way. And we're so thankful for those kids. Uh, if you don't know me, my name is Rob Sloffman, and I am kind of in charge of the elementary kids here at Apex. So what that means is I, I get these kids in a year, two years, couple months, and I'm so excited to work with them and on the foundation that our four or five K leaders and volunteers are already setting. And uh, guys, that was awesome, right? Uh, I know that Jesus is happy with that as, as well as me. Um, this morning, this morning, I, I want you to know that uh, you're like, where are all the songs this morning? It's 11.15. I'm excited because I get a full hour to be with you guys. <laughs> but if you were here in the nine o'clock, you know that uh, it's going to be shorter this morning. As we have our elementary kids, our first through fifth graders in here, we're not going to go real long this morning. So be aware of that as well. And uh, a couple things as we go. Now, this morning is Palm Sunday. And Palm Sunday is kind of like what we know as the triumphal entry, where, where Jesus is making his way back into Jerusalem. Um, the skit guys explain that very well to us, right? But uh, this morning, we're going to really look and focus in on two things, two words, expectation and anticipation. Now, when you think of those two words, you may think, hey, they sound very, very similar. But there is a little difference. Because expectation, when we think about it, is we expect things to go a certain way, right? We expect that when we come into church and we come into this room with the orange carpet and everything, we expect that we're not going to see risers up here. Maybe we're not going to see kids up here. That's a little out of the norm for us to do that, but we love it, right? We have expectations, right? And because of maybe what the ex expectations are, we began to anticipate things. So if I'm expecting something to happen, then I'm going to anticipate how it's going to happen. Now, as I look to the football season, I'm done with baseball already because I'm a Reds fan. Um, but... <laughs> But when I look to football already, being a New England Patriots fan, I'm already looking forward to, number one, when we play the Bengals, because I want to go this year, and, and number two, the Super Bowl. I'm anticipating that it's going to happen. My team might not be in it, but I'm anticipating it. Now, uh, this morning, as we look at those two things, we're going to look at them through the lens of the triumphal entry, because the people expected a certain thing and they anticipated it. Now, in my life, my wife and I, we have some different hobbies. A couple of years ago, I don't even remember, but uh, I started to fish, and I wasn't very good at it, and the more I did it, I, did it, I got a little bit better, and when I had a son, when he was born, he was about six months old, we went fishing, and I'll never forget, he you know, throws his line, and he just likes to reel it in and tangle it, so I didn't get to fish much, as much as I did untangle his bobber and all of that stuff get it out of the tree. Well, one day, I'll never forget, I had this uh, fishing pole that I loved, the reel on it, I got like 15 years ago or something, and he's, he's fishing, and he lets go. And I can just see it 
sinking to the bottom, right? But fishing isn't very fun for me anymore because my son has gotten a lot better. He's now seven years old and literally he catches all the fish. A couple summers ago, I caught uh, a shark that was about 18 inches off a pier in North Carolina. And that was like the last big cool fish that I ever caught. Everything else was his. Seriously. So I don't fish so much more. I do a little bit of woodworking and dabble in it and whatnot and tables and whatnot. And, but my wife, about two years ago, she had this idea in her head that I think I want a hobby. I think I want to have my own beehive. And I'm thinking, huh? Beehive. That looks like a lot of work. And, uh, you know, I looked into it a little bit and I thought, you know, a beehive or a house. The beehive was a little bit cheaper than a house at the time, so I decided I'll get her the beehive and we'll save for the house. And so I got her this beehive two years ago for Mother's Day. And uh, that first year, um, someone, we were late in the game, I guess, when it comes to bees. You're like, uh, who knows? I didn't even know. Um, so we couldn't really buy bees anywhere. You're like, buy bees. Yes, buy bees. Um, we couldn't buy the bees, but a friend of ours who we had kind of known had uh, a hive swarm or something, and he caught this hive of bees, and he gave them to us. And... Uh, he came over with these bees, and this is the crazy part. When you think of bees, you think of like suits, right? All that stuff. And he's looking through this box of bees. My wife and I have this suit on, and he, he goes, oh, there's the queen right there. And he sticks his hand with no gloves, no suit, into the box and says, this is the queen. And he puts it in our beehive. And I thought, you, sir, are a nut. <laughs> I don't get that. Now, uh, about two weeks ago, my wife and I, uh, our, our, bee, our whole hive of bees last year kind of like abandoned us. I don't, I'm not really sure why, but um, they, they left us. And so we had to buy more bees. If you're wondering how many bees we bought, that's the picture of the box of bees. That's five pounds of bees. If you ever wondered how many is five pounds of bees, how many bees are in a five pound box? Well, you can Google that and then it will give you some varying answers but it's somewhere in about, oh, I don't know, five, six, seven, eight thousand bees. Um, and you're like, that's nuts, right? Yeah. Uh, those bees right there are in a box. It's temporary home in our kitchen on our island. This next picture is my kids. <laughs> They're homeschooled. This is science class. Observing the bees. For any of the other homeschool families, uh, you can arrange a field trip. We'll work it out. Um, but this was before we took the bees outside and put them in the home. And my, my kids were like, this is really cool. Dad, can I hold them in the car? No, you can't hold them in the car. I don't trust you, right? And, and before we could like take this box and put it in the hive, we had to do a couple things. One was kind of take the top off. But the, the biggest thing is we had to get our bee suits on, right? Because 5,000, 6,000, 8,000 bees in no bee suit would be crazy. And you're looking at me like, everything is covered except for your hands. And if I put the gloves on right now, I will never get them off, okay? So I'm not putting the gloves on. Uh, but we would take this box and we'd take it out to our beehive. We would take the lid off and you kind of take the, the top off. And inside this big box of thousands of bees is a little box about that big. And in that box is the queen bee 
and two or three helper bees. And you take that little box and you put it on one of the frames inside your hive with a rubber band. And what this does is it makes sure that as you're transporting the thousands of bees into that hive, that they don't leave. Because as long as the queen is there, the whole hive will come back, um, which is kind of cool. But uh, so then you, 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 you just got bees everywhere, everywhere. And you flip the box upside down on top of the hive, and then you just kind of shake it. <laughs> shake it. And you're looking at me like, you're not. I, I know. I was in a bee suit. They're hovering. It's, it's surround sound. Don't be zoom, 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 everywhere, covered. But here's the crazy part. Before we did any of that, my wife looked at me and said, I'm suited up. I'm ready to go. I don't want to go, but I'm going to help her. I can't stand it. These bees scare me, even in a suit. And uh, she looks at me and she says, you know, um, I'm kind of thinking that I don't want to wear my suit this year. I feel a little, a little comfortable. Uh, last year, I went good. The bees were calm. I think I'll be okay. And I looked at her through my bee mask, right? And I said, um, remember last year when you got stung and it swelled up really bad and it was there for about three weeks and you had to get an antibiotic to get it to kind of go away? Do you really want to do that again? And she goes, yeah, you're right. She puts her bee suit on and we come out. And, and so we're in the process of shaking these bees out into the hive and they're slowly coming everywhere, right? And, and then you get to the last little part of a couple thousand bees in there and they're not coming out. They're like, I like my home. I don't like you. I'm going to stay here. Um, and so you kind of take your hand, you know, that has the glove and you put it in the box and you kind of just kind of scoop, scoop thousands of bees into the hive. Now, as we're in the process of doing that, I look over at my beautiful wife, who's in her bee suit, has her mask on, and there was a twinkle in her eye. Only that twinkle was a bee <laughs> inside her mask. Now, my wife is a, is a lot thinner than me. Like this one, bees aren't coming in around this, okay? They're, they're not coming in, right? I don't know if I'll be able to get it off, but uh, hers, there's room, right? Somehow a bee went into her suit, is now in her mask, and she doesn't know, and I don't know how she knows it, and I don't know how to tell her that there's a bee in her mask, okay? And I just tried to stay calm. I said, honey, bees, honey, right? I said, um, yeah, there you go. I said, just want to, you know, stay calm. There's a bee in your mask. She did not stay calm. <laughs> did not stay calm. She flipped out, flipped out. She is running away from a bee in our backyard that is in her mask. And where she goes, she can't get away from it. So she finally realizes what she's doing. And she starts to take the, take the whole suit off she gets it to about here. She's running around the backyard. We have a privacy fence, but I'm sure the neighbors are like, what is going on with them again? And she finally gets to the point where she realizes, I'm stuck. I don't know where I'm going. And she said, help me. And so I come over there and I, I help her get that suit off, right? 
And that mindset, like, is not what we expected. We didn't anticipate a bee to get in her suit, but it did. And next time, I thought about this. Next time, I'm just not going to tell her. (laughs) I'm not going to be mean or rude. I'm just going to be like, hey, come here. Squash. Right? I'm not going to tell her anything. I'm just going to squash it. It'll be so much easier. That's what we're going to do. But, um, yeah. Now, the point in telling this story isn't to make my wife look like an idiot. The point of the story is, guys, we do this every single day. We expect things to go one way. And then when we anticipate and we look forward to them, we don't see some of the things coming at us in life. Right? We do this every day. Now, um, so in the midst of where we are this morning, in the midst of what's going on in our life, in the midst of Holy Week starting and Palm Sunday coming, and here we are today, remembering the 2,000 years ago that Jesus made his triumphal entry back into Jerusalem, riding on a borrowed donkey. We celebrate Palm Sunday because of triumphal entry. Jesus riding on a borrowed donkey into Jerusalem, making his uh, appearance for the first time in Jerusalem since he rose Lazarus from the dead, which all the miracles that Jesus did, this is the one that went viral. This is the one that upset people. This is the one that at the same time the people realized this isn't just a man. And they began to follow him because of the cool thing he did, but they began to really follow him to check out who he was and see what he was about. And as he's riding in Jerusalem on the back of that donkey, the people are bowing down. They're throwing palm branches on the ground, shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, giving Jesus a royal welcome, just like we would find in Second Kings. This welcome would be the one that prophets would prophesy about when the Messiah would come. He'd ride on the donkey and the people would celebrate him and shout Hosanna. Now, some of these people worship Jesus as their Messiah, their deliverer. They bow down to him, shouting Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. But some of the people there in that morning were there just because they thought that maybe Jesus would lead a rebellion. And maybe he would lead a rebellion against Rome and overthrow it, and that would make their day. But as the days of the Holy Week would progress, people would soon quickly realize that Jesus wasn't about the rebellion that they anticipated. And their cries of Hosanna would then shift from Hosanna to crucify him. Whether it's 2,000 years ago, or whether it's us here this morning, there's times in life where things are just confusing. Times where maybe life isn't what we expected. And in John 10, Jesus is at the point in his ministry where the Pharisees, the religious leaders, are kind of analyzing every little thing he's saying, looking for ways to get rid of him. And at the same time, the followers of Jesus in John 10 or at the moment where the things that he is saying to them are bringing them closer to him. In John 10, check this out, in verses two through five, it says this, but he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. 
To him, the gatekeeper opens, the sheep hear his voice, he calls his own sheep by name, and he leads them out. And when he has brought out all of his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. In a couple of minutes, we're going to come back to these verses and unpack them just a little bit. But before we do that, let's move on down to verses 10 and 11. Jesus would go on to say, the thief comes only to steal, to kill, and destroy. But I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd, and the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. You know, Jesus is telling us some important things here that uh, the thief comes to steal, to kill, and destroy. Now, in that day, the, the thief would be maybe religious leaders, maybe the Pharisees, the scribes who would put burdens on the people with no care for the people or their hearts or where they were in relation to God. Jesus would say in Matthew 10, 28 to 30, that come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Jesus knew that the burdens that the the Pharisees, the religious leaders put on the people weren't burdens that mattered. The Pharisees were all about the law, all about the laws on the laws. And Jesus was different. Jesus tells us that the thief comes to steal, to kill, destroy. Maybe today for us, 2,000 years later, maybe the thief isn't a religious leader, but maybe it's the devil trying to enter his way into our lives to steal, to kill, to destroy certain things in our life. Maybe it's joy that he's stolen from us. Maybe in all of life, uh, everybody thinks we're happy, but we are struggling in our heart to find joy. Maybe it's a desire to serve him that once, man, we were on fire for God and we loved him. We would do anything, right? And Maybe we're struggling with that. Maybe our hunger for God's word and spending time in him or praying to him or asking him to help in our life is a thing that's been stolen from us. Maybe it's our urge to follow God, to obey him. Maybe we're, we're stuck in what I would call apathy where we know there's certain things that we should be doing, but we're not. Maybe our marriages have been things that have been destroyed, have been stolen. Maybe it's this one, that maybe it's even just the thought that there is hope right now. Maybe in our life, we struggle the biggest with finding hope. But that's what the thief does. He steals, he kills, he destroys. But our shepherd, our good shepherd, is different. See, Jesus said, I came that they may have life and have it to the fullest, to have life abundantly. I'm the good shepherd, and the good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. You know, as Christians, we can often uh, go through this passage and whatnot and not really realize what Jesus is saying here. Yeah, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus came to give us life. Okay, John three sixteen. got it, know it. But Jesus is saying, I came so that they may have life, life to the fullest, life abundantly. But uh, do you know what that means? That Jesus came.
came to give us so that we could experience life. And when I'm talking about that, I'm not just talking about life here on earth. We breathe in, we breathe out, we exist, we take up space, that's it. That's not what Jesus meant. Jesus meant that life to the fullest, that it wouldn't just be about taking up space here on earth, that it would be about living the full life, experiencing his goodness, that true goodness in life or good things or life to its fullest is life in relationship with him. A couple things about a shepherd as we dig in a little bit more. See, the, the shepherd does a couple things. First thing a shepherd does is he protects his sheep, right? A shepherd protects his sheep. Uh, another one, the thing that the shepherd does is the shepherd cares for his sheep. Now, uh, Jesus would refer to many hired hands or not the main shepherd, but other shepherds. And you know what? And he says, when, when a wolf comes or a hardship comes, the other shepherds, they don't care. They're not invested. But Jesus protects. Jesus cares. The good shepherd leads his sheep. Psalm 23 tells us that the good shepherd or the shepherd leads his sheep, right? The places of water, places to eat. A good shepherd feeds his sheep. Go back to uh, verses 14 and 15. Look what it says. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me just as the father knows me and I know the father and I lay down my life for the sheep. Another thing that a shepherd does is a shepherd sacrifices. That our savior, our shepherd, is laying down his life for us. As we get into Holy Week, as we look at Good Friday, when we, we look at Jesus laying his life down for us, we remember the sacrifice that he did for us. And this last one, and this is the one I want to kind of camp out on. The good shepherd is near to his sheep. The good shepherd is near to his sheep. The coolest thing about this one is that wherever you are, whatever your struggle is this morning, whatever those things that the thief has come and has stolen, has killed, has destroyed, oftentimes we forget that the shepherd is near, that he's there right in the midst of our life. Now, guys, some of you are coming here this morning and um, you've got some of those burdens. Every Tuesday morning, we as a staff at Apex, we get together for a chapel. But part of that chapel is we share out, we, we pass out those tear-off cards where you guys have written out those prayer requests. And over the two and a half, three years I've been on staff, that is one of the highlights of my week is praying for you guys and the things that are going on in your life. Now, not all of you fill out those cards, but so many of you, if you don't fill a card, you, you tell someone on staff about something that's going on in your life that you're struggling with, a friend that is battling cancer, a loved one that is nearing the end of their life, a loved one that you want them to know Jesus personally, and you're praying for their salvation. On Tuesday mornings, we as a staff, we love bringing those requests to the throne and lifting those things up in prayer. And for some of you, getting up this morning was a battle in itself to get here. In the 9 a.m., it was raining cats and dogs outside. 
It would have been easy to stay home and say, hey, I'm going to sleep in this morning. Bedside Baptist, pastor pillow, comforting of God. But some of us, it's just that will to get up in the morning, to go about our day, to find hope in the midst of where we're at and what we didn't anticipate coming our way. Even though maybe we're in a house church, even though we're in a big room this morning, surrounded by people, we can still feel incredibly, incredibly lonely. Those verses we read in John 10, two through five, look what they say. But he who enters the door is the shepherd, enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him, the gatekeeper opens, the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name, and he leads them out. When he has brought out all of his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his name. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. Some key things there. That the sheep know the shepherd's voice. That the shepherd calls them by name. Just like he's doing this morning with some of us in the midst of where we're at. Well, about a month ago, I found, I came across this video, um, I think on my Facebook feed or something, and I am, I am a sucker when it comes to like um, troops coming home from deployment and surprising their kids at football games or whatnot, and the tears just start flowing. Very few things make me cry. It could be a golden retriever passing away in a movie. It could be a war movie. It could be troops coming home and welcoming their families. Those are about it, right? Now, um, but in this one, a troop is, uh, he's been deployed for 10 months to the Middle East. He comes home. He wants to surprise his, his son, who's going to be at Taekwondo class, sparring blindfolded against uh, uh, the guy who's in charge of it. Doesn't have any idea that his dad is going to be the one sparring against him. So get those Kleenex ready and check this out. You know, this video it cements in my mind that idea of the shepherd knowing our names, right? Calling us by name of the sheep knowing his voice. We see that boy as his dad saying, keep your gloves up, Chip. You see the sudden pause in the sun to where he's taken back. Surely, you know, that can't be my dad. His dad keeps talking, keep your gloves up, Chip. He realizes this has got to be my dad. Before that video of what you saw, uh, they interviewed the, the guy and, and the troop, and he said, you know, I don't know what's going to happen. You know, if my son throws down his glove and he takes his blindfold off, I'm going to be a mess. I'm going to be a train wreck. Because I think that video describes where we are this morning, that in the midst of our battles, in the midst of our personal things that are going on in our life that we didn't anticipate, we didn't expect, but those things have come our way. We have a savior who's in our life who's saying, hey, Rob, keep your gloves up. Who, when we take that mask off and we see, right? We hear those words that so many of us, I know Jesus, as I've seen you guys go through some of the stuff that you've gone through, I know Jesus is saying to you, keep your gloves up. But he's also saying, I'm so proud of you. I am so proud of you. Keep your gloves up. 
Would you pray with me? God, um, you know, I don't know where we are this morning, but I know that there isn't a day that goes by that I don't need you. Whether we are the battles that we're fighting, where the, the thief has come to steal, to kill, destroy, whether it's our joy, whether it's our marriages, whether it's our families, whether it's just even that there's a thing called hope right now in our life. Lord, we need you. We need you in our lives. We need to come to the realization that you are there right alongside us in the midst of this battle. You're talking to us. You know us by name, and we know your voice. Help us this week as we focus on what you did, the, the holy week leading up to your sacrifice for us on the cross, your death, your burial, your resurrection. Lord, I know you're saying to so many of us this morning, I'm so proud of you, but keep your gloves up. We pray this in your son's name. Amen.